0: message I have today is called Jesus in Real Life or Jesus IRL. And IRL is an expression that's used on the internet um, to discuss the difference between real life and fake life or real life and the internet maybe. And uh, the verse I have today is uh, from John ten ten, and it's this. Jesus is saying, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so like I said, we live in this weird time where we are at the same time the most connected people and the most disconnected people at the same time. It's not like we're less connected. We are in ways like, you know, 100 years ago. Actually, I was, I was hearing some stories, of, you know, with the development of technology and the idea when they laid a cable, the transit, the first transatlantic cable, they ran um, across the North Atlantic Ocean where they could send telegra- telegrams across the ocean. It changed the world um, because information could travel relatively instantly. They still had to send Morse code across this thing, and the first one actually broke. But it was a ch- it was ch- now we all have way more than that in our pocket. I mean, and, and, and through that, you can become friends with people, like actual friends with people you've never met in person who might even live in other countries. And this is really cool. Like I said, we're the most connected We've ever been. People are watching our service or taking part in our service from all over via the Internet. This is crazy. I mean, even 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, that would have seemed, like, incredible, you know. Um, But at the same time, we're also all staring at our phones all the time like this. So, like, you're very connected but also very not connected to the world. And you find in the – it's even, like, amplified – By this current situation we're in, you know, with COVID, it made me think of the opening lines to the Queen song, Bohemian Rhapsody, where they're saying is I'll just read it to you. I wrote it down. This is not scripture, just in case you're confused. So this will not be on the screen. It goes like this. Is this the real life or is this just fantasy? I'm caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. Open your eyes. Look up to the skies and see. And I feel like we're constantly living through this most connected and least connected time in levels of abstraction. Like have you ever gotten mad at something somebody texted you or confused by it only to realize that what they were saying wasn't what you thought it meant because you read it wrong, you know, or they didn't type it well. My wife and I never have this problem. And <laughs> but we're but then also it's like like I said, this COVID situation has just amplified this even more. Like, I, I, how many of you had ever been in a Zoom meeting before COVID? So, like, and how many of you have been in one now? Like, all of us. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, so we're meeting with people. So, like, And we're talking about these Zoom meetings. Like, they're great. I mean, fine. You know, it's kind of like again, the most connected, like you can do these meetings all over the place. They're quick, they're easy, they're nice, but then you're also not in the room with people, so it's sort of weird and you can't read what they're, you know. I personally don't really like it, but it's definitely better than nothing. You know, someone was talking to me about it, and it's not so black and white, you know, like sitting down and talking with somebody, let's just say that's the best way to communicate with someone. And then if you Again, in these levels of abstraction, if I wrote this person a letter, like an actual letter, not even an email, like that might be good in some ways, but also abstracted in other ways. It might take days to get there. What I'm expressing right now, days later you get it. Maybe slightly better as an email. Maybe slightly better as a phone conversation. At least we're talking to each other, but I can't see you. Zoom kind of fits in the next spot of, well, it's better than a phone conversation. At least I can see you, but it's not like... The same, and we can't hug each other and stuff. So we're dealing with this weird, is this real life, or is this, like, we're stuck in this place where we're constantly evaluating this, whether we realize it or not. And it's amplified by social media. It's amplified by Instagram. It's amplified by all these things where we see photos that are highly doctored. And then we compare them to ourselves or our lives or our version of our lives that have, that's not doctored. And, of course, it's never going to hold up. You know, this is just crazy. But we're living in this world. And then that's, you know, adding to the political discord and all of the craziness. Um, well, all of this fake life certainly has real-life consequences. It certainly causes real emotion. So this is what I think we want to talk about regarding what Jesus is saying. The enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And you find this story. It's in John 10. And I'm going to read basically the whole thing to what Jesus is saying. Because he starts to get it. What is real life? You know, what is this life to the full that he's talking about? It starts like this. This is John 10, 1 through 15. So if you want to write that down and go back and read it or if you want to read along, um, But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when, this, when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And that was John 10, 1 through 15. So some context to this. The way this worked is what he's, the whole Jesus lived in a different culture than we did um, and that's when he was sharing this story. And there's, some people still do this kind of thing. Like there's places in the world you can find this where it would be common to understand. Shepherds had sheep. We get that. But not everybody had their own pen, which is what he's referring to here. It was like a walled-off area either made of stone or, like, uh, when I was reading about it, it's like stone walls that had briars growing on it, like barbed wire kind of, but it's natural barbed wire. Or sometimes it would be some sort of wooden structure they would have. Like, the idea was there was always briars and stuff on it. So it would keep the sheep in. It would keep bad people out or wolves out. But you would have a way in and a way out. And then what would happen is me and maybe several guys would be like, hey, look, let's build a pen together, and at night we'll put our sheep in there to protect them. And then in the morning, I'll get mine, you get yours, and this kind of thing. And we'd take them out, and they would eat and all this sort of deal. And so at night, you might have two or three guys' sheeps in there, okay, sheep in there. And then in the morning, when the shepherd would come, that shepherd's sheep would need to follow me, either call them by a song or a whistle or just say, hey, let's go. But they, he knew his sheep, they knew him, this kind of thing. And so in this story, the first part Jesus is talking about, um, being a shepherd and then the second part he's talking about being the gate itself and this is another he, like i guess jesus sometimes uh takes a metaphor and then kind of like as he's telling about it he'll hit at it several different ways some people interpret this to mean that, like a, there was a tradition that sometimes the shepherds would literally sleep in that door opening and that jesus would be literally acting as the gate you know other times they would have a thing that you put there and there was like he refers to the gatekeeper in here it doesn't really matter but I would say, let's just go with the, he's the gate and the shepherd, because that's what, you know. And, and so, I'm just giving you some context, and then we're going to talk about this. It's a pretty simple message here. G- the gate, um, so Jesus is saying um, that they will come in and out through him, his sheep. So, his sheep, when you need to hear this, we are the sheep in this story, all right? He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. We hear his voice, we follow him. We're protected. He takes care of us. We we should run away from the the thief, the robber, the wolf, this sort of thing. And in this, sheep, you know, whether we like this or not in this image, we're not that smart. And but we're very obedient. <laughs> Sometimes. The idea would be we'd be obedient. Let's just say that. In this story. Sometimes we're not. We follow after the thief, but um like that prone to wonder. Lyric in that song, but the uh, uh, the idea would be that we would follow Jesus and that He would protect us. But see, the thing is, He wants what's best for us. His shepherding of us isn't just to say, "Don't do all this really cool stuff," because you know, I want to make your life really lame and boring. He's wanting what's best for us. He's wanting to protect us. And at times we go, "Well, I, maybe I don't feel like that, or I don't want to do that, or that type of thing." That <laughs> A sheep trusts and knows that without this guy, I'm done for, totally. And so your only hope is to follow him. But also, you know, like he knows where the water is. He knows where we can eat. He knows all this stuff. And if I just go off on my own, you know, there are wolves and thieves out there. And Jesus even says, and he's prophesying about himself, that he even gives up his life for his sheep. But there are others in this story, and he calls them robbers, thieves, and wolves. So what we need to start to figure out in our lives is how do we hear the shepherd's voice, and who are the robbers, the thieves, and the wolves? And that's really what I want to talk about, because if you zoom back even further, And go back into John 9 and listen, like, why is Jesus, it says, like, you know, when I started this, he says, the first part, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, why is he telling them this? So what happened is, Jesus heals a guy who was born blind, and the Pharisees didn't like this, so they start questioning the guy, and they're trying to, like, pin on him, because, you know, Jesus says in the story, like, the shepherd comes in the gate. The shepherd is the gate. The shepherd doesn't have to hide who he is. Jesus isn't hiding the fact that he's God, that he's the Messiah. He's healed this guy. The Pharisees don't like this, and they're trying to get at the, with the the blind guy. They're like, okay, you're lying, right? No, I'm not lying. You know, will you, you know, and other people are like, no, this guy was blind. I don't get it. You know, and then they get his parents, like, what? Tell me this deal. Was this guy born blind? Like, yeah, we know he was born blind. He's definitely our son. We don't know how he can see. Like, ask him. Like, they're scared of these people. Like, hey, he's on his own. You know. And then the guy's like, look, I don't know, you know, and they're like, did Jesus say, is he trying, you know, like, do you think he's, you know, and, and they're questioning all this about is Jesus God, is he the Messiah, all these sorts of things. And this guy's caught up, and he's like, look, I don't know. And then finally he's like, well, do you want to become his follower too? You seem to be asking all these questions, you know. And they're like, oh, you're his follower now? And he's like, you know, he's just caught up in it, and he eventually runs into Jesus at the end, and he now can see Jesus, and Jesus says to him, you know, what's happened, this kind of thing, and they have this exchange And he says he wants to to worship Jesus, but the Pharisees are still listening in. And they go, you know, and Jesus is like, I came to give sight to the blind. And they know these are smart guys. He's talking against them. They're like, what, are we blind? And Jesus says, yeah. And then he tells this story. So what we need to see in this, who are the robbers, the thieves, and the wolves? Well, he's talking against the Pharisees. So in a way, that's what we're looking at okay not those individuals necessarily like you got to kind of these things when G- when we're reading stories about jesus these stories happened okay so he's actually talking to people who have actual thoughts they're not characters in the story this isn't paul bunyan okay but jesus being god tells us things in ways and they were written down in ways for us to learn from them as well so pharisees are real people representing a real thing and believing real things, but they also, for us, represent things as well. And we can interact with the text this way. The Pharisees aren't categorically like bad guys. They show up as bad guys a lot in these stories. Pastor Jeff and I would always talk. It says it feels like Jesus is really hard on the Pharisees because they're so close. Like, it's like, of all the people (laughs) that should know this, it's you guys. You know what I mean? Like, you see, Jesus often says things to them like, Have you not read? That's kind of sarcastic. Like, you need to know that. Because what's happening there is these guys have kind of memorized large portions of the Bible. Like, the first several books, they just know it. So, when you say to somebody like that, Have you not read? That's kind of sarcastic, you know? (laughs) And so, in spite of all of this knowledge, in spite of all of this that they have, they, they aren't recognizing Jesus for who he is. They're caught, they're stuck. They're stuck in what I would say for us today is a value system that's other than Jesus. And that we are so often stuck in value systems. There might be a better way to say that, but what comes to me today is value system other than Jesus. It prevents us from recognizing who Jesus is. It blinds us to who Jesus is. You might call them idols, you might call it religiosity that would fit really well with these guys they're following to the best of what they think to their man abil- their man uh, their strength of their their be or whatever you know they 're trying to accomplish the deeds of God by their own you know strength and willingness and these types of things and they 've memorized the Bible these early you know, chapters and they, they know what they 're talking about, but they 're missing what 's really going on they 're stuck in some sort of place in between real life and not. They've been caught up in something else, a value system outside of Jesus. And that's exactly where we find ourselves so often every day. And it doesn't matter if we're stuck at home on our computer. In fact, I said computer, That makes make me sound old. (laughs) On your device. (laughs) Stuck at home on devices. I think these, these actually amplify that, that sense of dysphoria or whatever it is, to where we become very quickly Pharisees, and we're missing what Jesus is doing, okay? But like the Pharisees, like this is just a phone, you know, it's not, it's amoral. This is a cell phone, it can go on the internet and can do amazing things, and in and of itself has no moral value, but it can be used to destroy people, blow people up on the internet, can be used to take inappropriate pictures or view inappropriate content. And it can be a tool to do all sorts of things. And so what happens is, like sheep, robbers and thieves and wolves try to sneak in through the gates or over the wall, as Jesus says. So we have to be on guard. And what Jesus talks about is setting up against these two things. We have a choice. Following him and living under his rule as shepherd leads to life more abundantly, some translations say, or life to the full, as this translation says, which includes eternal life. So like don't don't like <laughs> to the utmost, okay? There is everywhere you can understand that, which is by far the most important thing salvation and all. Okay? So let's not overlook that, but including the life that we have now, this type of full life. But it doesn't always jive with the stealing and killing and destroying that the thieves and robbers and those value systems want us to live by. And so often we'll try to mix the two together. Like I want to follow Jesus here, but I want to kill something over here (laughs) because I don't like it or I like this. I'd rather take this, you know. And so Jesus is setting up against these two things. The kingdom of God is the life to the full. The kingdom of the enemy, Satan, and whatever he's using, even your phone, your iPad, your Kindle, it doesn't matter, coming in to steal, kill, and destroy and wants you to live in that value system. And so it, it capitalizes on our bottomless. We have this like bottomless need to be loved, you know, and something like likes on social media seems to is like a fake version of this love and we'll just do anything to get it or something like that and we become these crazy addicted people and so that starts to control us that becomes our shepherd some of us are following the wolf as if the wolf is our shepherd meanwhile he's the whole time just thinking i'm just going to eat you and you're dumb so We can resist this. But here's the thing. There are kind of two, there might be a scale. I don't really know. Jesus is telling this story literally after healing. This guy was born blind. He couldn't see. Now, because of Jesus' miraculous hand, he can see in this world too, okay? Like his eyes didn't work. Now they do. I've never seen anything exactly like that. I've seen some people pray for people and some pretty awesome things happen, but I've never seen that. I'd like to, but I haven't. But I definitely believe Jesus can do these sorts of things, and he has. And so, Jesus is, so so this is a very interesting conversation. We're like, are you talking spiritually, or are you talking, like, real life? See how, like, we we put those two things against each other? Like, I mean, I get it, like, churchy things and God or whatever, the spiritual, but I mean, like, real life. Like, and, and Jesus is like, no, it's kind of all of that, you see, like, I healed the real-life eyes, but I'm also talking about the spiritual eyes, which are probably, in a sense, far more important, okay? But he's not not talking about this one. It's, like, it's not like, no, I'm just using this as an example to illustrate this deeper thing. He's, he's talking about all of it. He's grabbing all of it. Our mindset is so fractured, you know. His mindset, and I think the Hebrew mindset, is so all-encompassing. It's not like this is your spiritual life, and this is your life where you eat Cheerios or something. It's like this is all one. So the spiritual life is eating Cheerios and the Cheerio life is praying, you see, you don't because you didn't really what I'm stepping back and forth across an imaginary. There's no line there, you know. So Jesus is offering this. And so we have this bottomless need to be loved that only God can do. The God is the only person who can love us to that degree. But we seem to want to fill it with all this other junk. And it just doesn't work. It leaves us, what did it say? Steal, kill, and destroy. It takes from us, it kills us, and it destroys our lives and our family eternally and now. So he's telling the story in the context of healing a blind person. So Immediately. Okay, you can see now. Whoa. Okay. That's sudden. So sometimes this type of awareness of Jesus' voice is very sudden. has been in my life before where I thought something, and then all of a sudden... Um, all of the sudden, uh, you know, yeah, the revelation comes. I'm sorry. I was distracted by Pastor Jeff texting me. And he says how annoyed he is when people text him. So up to his credit, he did tell me to put my phone on. Do not disturb, but whatever. We were talking about revelation. It can come suddenly, okay? So God can suddenly put something in your heart. And that's great that's awesome when that happens, and it can be it can be incredibly convicting or it can incredibly like overwhelmingly you know it can feel heavy and it's not always a fun experience, but it's still great, it's fast, you know I like that, you know, but then he tells a story of sheep and if i I don't know a lot about being a shepherd, but this is a daily task, you know. I think it's similar to, in some ways, I was watching a documentary about people that um, that do shrimping. And these guys that were in this documentary, it was like a town in South Carolina where it just it was like every single person is a shrimp person. And they get up at like 3 a.m. every day and go shrimping every day. And you're like, what do you mean every day? I mean like every day, like every single day. And they were like, you mean like Thanksgiving and Christmas? I was like, yeah, like every day. Like we have to to make enough money. And uh, I'm not saying this is a lifestyle we should emulate in the sense, of, but I'm, what I'm saying is, these shepherds had the same thing. You don't. You might hire a guy, like he says, a hired hand or something, but you got to do it. it. Like they're your sheep. If you don't show up today, they might not be there. You know. And so you have on one hand, or maybe one point, revelation where God just suddenly, for His own reasons and through His power, just goes, Boof, and you can see. And then over here with the imagery of a shepherd, you have. This developing over time the ability to hear the shepherd's voice, to know what to do, how to follow, and all these kinds of things. And as Christian people, following Jesus is a mixture of these two things. And there might be a spectrum, you know, in between the two to where a lot of this is learned over time, and and then some of it is intermingled with moments of revelation that build to that over time thing. I'm not talking particularly about salvation here Salvation is a gift that God gives us. It's our Christ-likeness that he develops in us over this time that I'm more reflecting. How does our lives look like Jesus? This comes by following him and receiving from him these gifts of revelation that happen in, in uh, in moments. And he says here, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow him. So how do we do that? This is what I wanted to talk about. We have a few things that we're going to try to do because we've realized that um, through prayer and just through talking that uh, as a church, we're just in an unprecedented and very strange time, which is not unique. The whole world is dealing with this COVID-19 thing, and it becomes kind of clear that it's not going away anytime soon, which is irregardless. I don't even want to have the conversation of whether or not you think it's being handled well or whether or not you think masks are necessary. It's like none of that even really matters because none of us really control any of that. What does matter in real life is that it's not going away anytime soon, whether we like it or not. So what we have to deal, do is to decide with decide how to deal with the time we have at hand, okay? So it's going to be awkward. It's going to continue in this amplified version of dysphoria between real life and not. It's going to continue for a period of time. I can't say how long because I don't know, but it's not a maybe next week we'll wake up and this whole thing will be gone. Everybody who's an expert in this field thinks it's going to take a while. So in the midst of that, there's a few things I wanted to announce to talk about how as a group we're going to really be working in this time to address this maybe prolonged COVID, limit, like limited gathering situation that we're in, how are we going to still continue to try to be sheep that hear the Lord's voice? Because we've been saying for, I don't know, as long as I've worked here, the church is not a, sur- a building, but we have a building now. The church is not a service on Sunday morning, but we have that too, at least in some form. But the church is the people. We are the church. We always have been. And now we get a great opportunity to live into that. It's uncomfortable sometimes. Sometimes it's it's great, you know. But like following the shepherd, he leads them in. He leads them out. I mean, we if we're following with Jesus, it doesn't really matter where we're at. Okay, guys? Or how comfortable we are. What we can do is have a good Christ-like attitude about it or complain all the time. I'm going to leave that alone, but... I want to talk about a few things that we're going to start doing. We've been praying, and we've come up with a strategy, and I believe this is going to be important because as I pray, I feel like, if I may be very frank, I woke up earlier this week. might be last week. Anyway, in the last 12 or so days, and I had this kind of, I felt like God brought me. Years ago, we were doing a documentary, my brother and I, about kind of the prayer movement in North America, one of the people we interviewed was Mike Bickle, who's the director of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And he's been operating out of a kind of prophetic encounter he had in 1982, which is the year I was born. Um, so he's been doing this for a while. Uh, that One of the things that he felt like God sh- shared with him when he was, he was in Cairo in a hotel, he was going around the world, I think, looking into um, places where the church was growing and where prayer was, you know, a key piece of that. And he ended up in Cairo, and he had this kind of experience, and he felt like God said to him that uh, he's like that one of the things God was going to do is change the expression, understanding, and expression of the church in a generation. So he felt like God said, I'm going to change the understanding of what the church is and the expression of how it expresses itself in a generation. Now, this is not the Bible, okay, this isn't like Isaiah, something or other. You know, this is Mike Bickle. Feels like God tells him this, and um, my brother and I were doing a documentary. The International House of Prayer and some of these other places are, you know, response to some of that. And there's a lot more to that story, but anyway, I re- that expression he says and it stuck with me, and haven't thought about it in years at all. Um, and I woke up about 12 days ago, and that was just in my mind. And I was like, Why am I thinking? And I, all of a sudden, was like, Oh my gosh. We might be living through a big piece of that right now. Again, this is not the Bible. This is just me thinking, you know. I looked at uh, when, God, when things shift, um, sometimes it happens gradually over time, like the sheep following. And sometimes it's like the blind eyes opening, you know. And I feel like the moment that we might be in is kind of more like the blind eyes opening thing. And it may not all be spiritual in the sense of this is just God's doing because he chose to. But God is so sovereign, He even uses things like COVID to accomplish His purposes, you know? And so I think that we're going through a time where if you, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I suddenly I look at something a year old or even eight months old and it seems ancient. And I'm like, why do I feel like that? And I've had this conversation with some people, like, I've had that same experience. That's weird. You know, I was telling. Something like this happened in the 1960s I was not alive then obviously but when you look back at it I was talking to Pastor Jeff about this that you know in the middle um, like if you look at the if you look at the 1960s as a decade of shift spiritual shift and all these kind of things so much came out of that good and bad but there was a shift in humanity that was so sudden and if you use something like the Beatles as a thermometer or barometer to gauge <laughs> that change if you look at the Beatles in 1964, 1965, they're wearing suits, and they're like, you know, you could move them back and put them in the 50s. It all works. You're like, okay, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you look at, like, 1967, and it's like, whoa, you know, this is the Sgt. Pepper thing. And, it, you know, it's different. And you look back at the 1965 Beatles, and you're like, who are those guys? You know, that was the, you know, the mop head thing and all, you know. It's like, this is ancient. And it's literally like, that was 18 months ago. Something had happened in between those two things. And it's not just this band. And and I'm using kind of some cultural imagery here from (laughs) a long time ago. But the point is, we might be living through an experience like that again in our culture that will probably have far-reaching effects beyond which any of us can even predict. But God is still in control, and we don't have to be afraid of it. And frankly, I think we can use it. For his kingdom's sake. So that's the attitude I want to go into this with. So, what are we going to do in the meantime? So, we got COVID to deal with. We're going to be dealing with it. We're going to keep meeting like we're meeting now. Um, We're trying to add more stuff. Like she said, the kids' corner. Um, This is something a parent can use. Like, if you want something, we're going to be intentionally and prayerfully including things that you can interact with your child to sit down with your kid and watch these things. There's teachings, there's interactive things, and you can take it further. This is just a start. Um, and they're going to be updating this stuff every week. Is this the end-all, be-all of everything? No, but it's something, and it will do something, and it will have an effect on your family. Use it. If your kids are little and they can't read yet, this is what this is specifically for. So it's meant to be interactive with. And like I said, it'll be fun. These things all move. I don't know why our presentation software won't allow that, but it's it's it's, it's, it's more fun in person. Um, but check it out. Go to our website. We're also going to start something starting tomorrow because we need to be this phase of life that we're in and frankly every phase right like when you talk about like how do we hear the how do we hear the shepherd's voice how do we follow him well it comes with spending time it's just like a person's voice like if I called you and said hey and you said hey who's this and I said your dad and you're like except for three people in this room you'd be like no it's not and I'd be like yeah it is be like no it's not like well how do you know it's not You're like that's not my dad's voice you know you see what I'm saying how do you know that it's because you spent time with your dad or whoever you know it's not that complicated. Spending time with God—how do we do that? You, it, biggest pieces are spending time in His Word, which is the Bible, and praying. Word and prayer—these are very important things. And so we're trying to help with this. We're going to start something tomorrow, which we're calling the Everyday, which is going to be in every. Or we're also calling it not today, Satan. This is the title that I like. So. I was advised to use the big title, The Everyday, and Not Today Satan. So um, uh, what it is is it's going to be an email or text, depending on how you want to sign up for it. You can also sign up for this on our website. And if you're already signed up for our emails, you're going to get it anyway. So it's going to come in your inbox and has a scripture. And Kevin and I and some other people are helping put this together. And it's not small, but it's not big. It's a good medium and it's a scripture reading, and then a prayer guide at the bottom. Some of the guides will be different, and there are ways that we can pray. So what we can be doing is reading the Word of God in a way together at the same time or the same scriptures that day and praying together because the Word and prayer is going to be very important to strengthen us as a people. Now, parents also, and I'm not only talking to parents with this. This is good for anybody, single, old, young, couples, doesn't matter. But if you are parents and you have kids that are old enough, and by old enough, I mean can read, or maybe even below. I mean, you can figure this out. Use this in your family as like a devotional thing, okay? Or at least give it a shot. You know, if you've already got something going, do that. But I mean, this is an option. If you don't have a way that you're praying as a family every day, other than just like, let's go to bed prayers, this is a good way to start it. It'll come in. You don't even have to do anything. We'll just send you the scriptures and stuff. And so this week is all going to be scriptures and prayers that focus on hope. Okay, so starting tomorrow and it's going to run um, Monday through Friday and then we'll have some other stuff like on Sunday you come here. So, you know, that's the idea with that. The other thing we're going to do is starting this month, Pastor Kevin and I and Pastor Jeff have put together a list of books, resources. I'm going to encourage you repeatedly and over and over to limit or eliminate the time you spend on social media. I'm never going to stop doing that until I'm convinced that it's doing good or more life abundantly and less steal, kill, and destroy, okay? So that's the deal with that. Again, Facebook, I believe, is kind of like a phone, amoral, but it's getting, it, it gets used for a lot of crazy things. So if you say, well, what am I supposed to do with all this time I was spending? We're going to try this other thing as well. This is We put together a list of resources, books. This is going to be kind of a book club, and we're going to call it form and fire okay so what this is is on our website we have a list and it's one book a month and one reason we're calling it this is they're books that are focusing on spiritual formation and the fire of the holy spirit both of these things are key and so they kind of go back and forth and so what we're doing is you know pastor kevin has read some amazing books i've read some amazing books pastor jeff has read some amazing books and we were like gosh you know we need to get some of these books to people and so we've decided we're going to encourage everyone, buy a book. This month we're starting with, um, actually I'm going to pull it up on my phone. The uh, If you go right now while I'm talking to uh, the uh, website maranathajax.com, you'll see a link to Form and Fire, and you can click on this, and um, it'll show you all five of the books. So I'm going to pull them up so I say the titles properly. But this um, month, August, what we're going to be reading is a book by E. Stanley Jones called "The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person." I have actually not read this book. This was one that came from Pastor Jeff. I think I started it a long time ago, but so I'm going to be reading it for my first time as well. We have a link here; you can buy it on Amazon, or you can pick it up. There's also a summary of it right there. But if you look below, the month of September, we're going to be um, we're going to be reading. Uh, oh, hold on, someone just me. We're going to be reading uh, "Why Revival Terries" by Leonard Ravenhill which is a book about prayer. And then in October, we're going to be reading Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, which talks about Christian spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting and, you know, all these sorts of things. Then in November, we're going to be reading a testimonial book called Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger, who's a lady who went by herself to like one of the darkest parts of the, um, I believe it's in Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong Kong. And she started working with drug addicts. She's from England, I believe. And uh, it's a powerful testimonial story of what she went through. And then in December, we're going to read a book by Dallas Willard called The Renovation of the Heart. So the idea is that it's both books that help form us into the image of Christ and fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to make these available. The idea is if you sign up for this, you know, get the book, read it, and then we'll have some sort of meeting or Zoom meeting to talk about it. This isn't, you know, a small group. This is like a book club. It's just something to read. It's something for us. And it helps get us on the same page with some stuff. The other thing we're going to be doing, again, this is so key, is this the house churches that we have. And yes, in the spring we did have to meet on Zoom. And yes, in the fall we're going to be mostly meeting on Zoom again. And yes, I don't like it. So if you don't like it, I understand that. But it's a key way to be connected to the church. It will become more key as we go on. So if you don't like that, either A, get used to it and figure out how you're going to like it. (laughs) Or B, try it out at least, and you might like it more than you think. Because what a house church is, is a smaller group of people that don't exist to read and study a book necessarily. They exist to be the church in a small, smaller group. This is where we have room to really spend time with each other and pray with each other relationships, spending, and learning. The l- we do study the word, and we do all this sort of thing, but it's a place where you can work out some of your stuff and also have people to actually help you when you're in need and these kinds of things. Things that are harder to do in a service on Sunday, not impossible, just harder. It's easier to do it in these groups. And frankly, the, the Zoom groups actually have worked pretty good at most of that sort of stuff, you know. Um, they're not the best. The best is meeting together and eating and that sort of thing, which we'll get to. This is just a period of time, but we're going to use it to it, to its advantages. And through all of this, we're going to develop into, um, and not just through this, like, frankly, you know, if God shows up in sort of Holy Spirit moments that are just blind eyes opening, either literally or whatever, you know, and this stuff all just gets mixed in, like, it doesn't matter. This is just what we feel like God has given us to do so that we have... Um, so that we can in time form into his image and be his followers. They're just techniques or, you know, they're not the, you know, it's just, it's, it's, he's the reason, okay? And his Holy Spirit is the directive. And so I want to end with us singing this song that we've sung in the past. Um, It's about mountain to valley. And there's a line in this song, in the bridge, where it says, he takes us in, he leads us out. He takes us in. He leads us out. Because the thing is, it's referencing this story. The followers of Jesus aren't sedentary. We're following him. You see? Like the Israelites following the cloud in Exodus or the fire in Exodus. You know, it moves. (laughs) Jesus is moving. Let's have the band come up. We'll go ahead and sing this song. The... uh, um, and i want us to be people that hear his voice and move with him and so i'm going to pray and then we're going to sing this song um and i want you to stand and sing it with us it's mountain to valley and um so father i pray that you would bless this time that you would fill us with your holy spirit that you would uh um that you would um bless this season that we're in even if it's a uh, Not ideal. Even if we don't get all the things that we want. Even if we don't like um, how we're removed from people. I I pray that you would fill us, Father. We love you, Lord. Sing this with me. Let's stand. Because I'm playing. By your promises, words that you have spoken, desires that you have pleased.